Hello, bonjour. Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. Je m'appelle Al Lunsford, digital editor of Lynx Magazine. Are you impressed yet, David? <laughs> Certainement, mais oui, formidable. Uh, sorry, I, I got nothing. Um, I only can go so far with the French language, just a couple of phrases that my my friends who know the language better have taught me over the years. But um, yes, my name is Al Lunsford, uh, and I'm joined today by uh, Lynx contributor David DeSmith. David, how's it going? Um, I don't know what you just said to me because you tell me what you said. I said I certainly for sure formidable means uh, great or uh, formidable. Uh, <laughs> But I'm I'm doing I'm doing great tonight. Thanks. Good. Um, I was speaking French because the topic of our podcast today uh, is Provence, a region of the world, uh, southeastern corner of France. Basically, uh, is the subject of a a feature piece in the fall issue of Lynx Magazine, written by David DeSmith. It's just a very interesting piece about a part of the world, a part of the golf world that I didn't know much about. Um, and David knows a lot about, clearly, uh, as you'll read in our in our magazine. But I um, wanted to talk about David's experience there uh, as a travel podcast, such as we are, and kind of get the the lowdown on, on somewhere maybe someone – would never have considered for the golf, but there certainly is. Sounds like there is a lot of it. Um, David, how do you, uh, in one word, preferably French, how, how would you describe Provence? Magnifique. <laughs> it's it's magnificent. You know, it's it it's a it could be a country all by itself, to be honest with you, because. Um, you know, it's it's a region. The the Provence Alps Côte d'Azur re- region, as they refer to it there, or PACA, P-A-C-A. You know, it's like you said in that southwestern corner of France, and you know, it it would be considered like a large uh, state in the U.S. I guess not as big as Texas, but maybe as big as oh, you know, uh, Colorado. Um, but, you know, within that state, they have six uh, what they call departements, which are kind of like counties, if you will. Um, and they're all really, really different. Um, they stretch from the Rhone River Valley uh, on the eastern side um, over to basically to uh, Monaco. Um, or sorry, Rhone River Valley on the west, Monaco on the on the east, and then as you go up north, the the northern boundary of this Paca region uh, is the foothills of the Alps, and you know those foothills would be considered pretty big mountains here. So there's an amazing variety of of topography, of culture, uh, of history, um, you know, in each of these places, and. Uh, you know, they almost feel like, uh, you know, really different regions, uh, you know, unto, unto themselves. Yeah. And as such, there is an amazing variety of golf, I would think, going from the mountains and the Alps all the way down to the Mediterranean. Right. Uh, what brought you there? Why, why did you uh, take a trip to southeastern France? Well, I was invited by a group called Golf Pass Provence which um, is a trade organization that represents a bunch of the, the better golf courses down in that area. And they're, you know, they're looking to attract American golfers like everybody is. 
and uh, you know, so they they invited a bunch of journalists from you know from all over the place, South Africa, Germany, the U.S., Switzerland, um, and it was a terrific group of guys, uh, mostly mostly people at the time who were older than I was, and I had I had these three uh, other writers who I coined my mes trois grands pères, my three grandfathers. <laughs> Um, one one from Holland, one from France, and one from Switzerland, and we just had a blast. And you know, you you can't not have a good time in this area. You know, the golf is terrific, and you know there is just so much else to do. You know, the the history in the area. Um, you know, Gaul was one of Rome's first foreign conquests, and so the whole area around Marseille, down in the in the Bouche de Rhone uh, department. You have these incredible Roman ruins, um, colosseums, aqueducts, you know, stuff that's been there for now, you know, 2,100 years or more uh, that's in pretty good shape. You know, so incredible history, um, you know, the gastronomy, the food uh, in the area, you know, the French in general uh, like to eat well. Uh, and that and that probably goes double for this area, uh, you know, Marseille. Is known for its bouillabaisse, which is this kind of fishy, soupy stew thing uh, with a lot of saffron in it. Um, but it's but it's incredible. Um, and of course, then you have the wine. And this part of France, you know, the the rosé wines have have kind of become popular here in the U.S. recently. The drier rosés, not the sweet white Zinfandels. Um, and a lot of times, those kind of wines uh, will come from this region. Um, as well as the, you know, the Cote de Rhone reds uh, are from this area as well. So there are vineyards, you know, literally everywhere. And, um, you know, you, you, can pre- you can practically not get up from the breakfast table without being offered a glass of wine. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, from hearing you describe it and, and reading your piece, it's, it's like walking through a history book um, or, or watching like a uh, Food Network profile uh, TV show. I, I loved your your prose in the piece. It was very eloquent, eloquent, very apropos um, for the region you were visiting. So I really enjoyed it. Um, for me, I, I've actually been to uh, Evian Labane, so eastern part of France, but but north of Provence, uh, and kind of on the border there with Geneva, Lake Geneva, and uh, Switzerland. And I still, you know. The, the most I know about Provence is probably the, the herbs de Provence that I bought at the, the French market there when I was there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the, that's probably the extent of my knowledge there. So base level from, from where you were coming from, how did, you, how did you get there? How long did it take to get to where you were? Where did you fly in? And then um, how did your trip get started and flow? Were you just kind of bouncing from city to city day to day, or did you stay in one particular place for a while? Yeah, um, we we did bounce around quite a bit. Uh, I flew into Paris and then from there down to Marseille. And it, it, it happened that uh, the French, who were famous for their uh, union strikes, um, their their rail system had gone on strike at that time. So I was supposed to take a train from Marseille up to um uh, to Avignon, which is a little bit north uh, west of Marseille, 
but ended up um, having to get picked up there at the airport. And, you know, we kind of went from uh, from west, uh, northwest to southeast. So we started up in the area of Avignon, where they have the famous Pont d'Avignon, uh, the, you know, the um, which the, the children's nursery rhyme uh, song is written after. Sur le pont d'Avignon, on y danse, on y danse. Um, but that's, a, you know, that's an amazing city because, you know, for, for uh, almost 100 years back in the 1400s, it was the, uh, the home of the Catholic Church after they, you know, left Rome for a while, after there was a bit of a schism there. Um, and the Papal Palace is still there, and it's, you know, just the most grand building, of course. But Avignon itself is fascinating because it's a walled city, um, but a very modern city. So, you know, both in and outside the walls, um, you have terrific hotels, very modern hotels um, that are kind of built into old buildings. Um, you know, with wonderful courtyards, restaurants, you know, the the, uh, the main boulevard in town, you know, is one big, long sidewalk cafe for as far as you can see um, with, you know, terrific food. And um, so that was a that was a really uh, exciting place to start. And uh, right near the city of Avignon, there were two really good golf courses. Um, one is called Golf de Grand Avignon which is a pretty flat course. Um, there's some lakes that you weave in and out of. Uh, they, you know, one of the lakes they use is a driving range with, with floating golf balls. And, but it was, it was really interesting to me as a North American golfer to get out of, the, out of the bus there and see that they had sculpted all of the trees and bushes into various different shapes and um, uh, different kind of, you know, just sculptural sculptural creations. Uh, it, it looked like Versailles. Uh, it looked like a garden. It didn't look like a natural kind of golf course that you and I might be used to over here. Um, but they were, you know, they were very proud of it and, and was a, a fun golf course. Um, the other one in that area was uh, a course called Pont Royal, uh, which was designed by Seve Ballesteros. And you know, really uh, a terrific and very natural uh, course um, on some, you know, kind of dry, almost desert-like land with a lot of ravines and cedar trees um, all over the place and uh, some very dramatic holes. It, it kind of had a high desert feel, um, but the, you know, the, the overall experience was, uh, you know, was really wonderful there. I mean, it's it would be considered, you know, what, what we would think of as, a, as an upscale uh, daily fee course. Uh, you know, there's a bit of a real estate development around it. Um, but very, very enjoyable, both of those courses uh, in uh, that Avignon area in the département of uh, Vaucluse. <laughs> I see. But before I let you continue, did you I just thought of something because we had a uh, a rankings piece in the magazine as well um, where we ranked the world and continental Europe. Uh, France was number one on the rankings for continental Europe from Planet Golf's Darius Oliver's list. And I, I'm wondering if you knew uh, before you went on your trip how good the golf was in France. And and after you were there, where where do you rank it in your experience uh, over playing in Europe? Well, I'm assuming when you say Europe that you're excluding uh, Great Britain and Ireland. This is you're talking about continental, continental Europe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. 
<laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I really wasn't that sure what to expect. I mean, I'd, I'd done a little bit of research and, you know, but it's one of these things where if it's a decent golf course and you have a great photographer, you can make it look better than it is. Uh, but, it, you know, in this case, I was not uh, disappointed by too many of the courses. One of them uh, was was a bit funky. Um, and that was a course called St. Victoire. Uh, which, um, you know, it, 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 in the end, it, it didn't bother me a bit because we were staying in uh, this beautiful um, chateau, uh, a small chateau, what, what they would call a Bastide. Uh, and, and this home had been owned by a famous uh, painter by the name of Bernard Buffet, uh, who was very popular in the, you know, 50s, 60s, uh, uh, in that range. And um this uh this home was surrounded by the most beautiful grounds uh it's in this town called um uh i can't remember the name of the town now but the the home is called the chateau lark l apostrophe a r c um and the the saint victoire golf course is there and um they put me up in bernard buffet's bedroom which was, uh, you know, maybe 40 feet by 30 feet with this ridiculous four-poster bed and these windows overlooking the gardens in the back. And, you know, I felt like I was Louis the Fourteenth when I stepped into this place. Um, but the golf course there was funky. And one hole in particular just had all of us laughing because, it, you know, the, the course in general was pretty tight. The back nine was very tight. And you almost, you know, you were almost thinking, wow, did a, did a real golf course designer design Design this place. It's too tight. But on one particular hole, it was a it was a dog leg left, and at the dog leg, it went straight uphill to this green that you you could barely see the top of the flag. And we got up to the green, and the, the green had a pronounced uh, hump right in the middle of it, like a big elephant-sized hump. And they had planted the flag right in the middle of this hump. So some of the people that I were playing with were, were just going back and forth and back and forth trying to get the ball to stop on this hump. Uh, and it was, you know, it was kind of clear that, you know, that the superintendent or whoever planted that flag was either trying to play a joke on the uh, on the golf writers or he just didn't know what he was doing. Uh, but but other than that, that was the only course uh, that I was disappointed in at all. You know, they were all in in good condition. Um and, you know, like I was saying, the variety of them is, you know, is, is just amazing because uh, you've got courses like one called Dolce Fregat, which is down on the south coast, uh, not too far from Marseille. And, you know, from that golf course, you have views of the Mediterranean, um, you know, wonderful mix of holes and kind of hilly, you know, not flat the way a lot of courses along the water might be. Really, really enjoyable. Um, and then up in the, you know, the two northern uh, departments, which are called Haute Alps and Alpes de Haute Provence, um, you know, they're, they're, they're mountainous courses. So, you know, there was one up there called Digne les Bains. Uh, and Les Bains means baths because there's a lot of mineral baths uh, up in those foothills of the Alps. Um, that one was part of the, um, located on the Provence National Geological Preserve. So it's, um, it's a very, very natural setting, good golf course, tough golf course. And then a little bit farther north than that, near a town called Gap, um, there's a course called Gap Bayard, 
which is, you know, kind of high elevation golf, lots of uh, elevation changes throughout um, incredible views of snow covered mountains. You know, even when we were there in uh, uh, in August um, and, uh, you know, the the uh, I remember the finishing hole was like straight downhill. Um, you know, if, if you fell, you better get yourself up quickly because you would just roll straight to the bottom. And I'm sure in the winter they probably use it for sledding. You may have already mentioned it, but which of what was your favorite experience while you were there? Also, how much golf did you play while you were there? It sounds like you were, I mean, literally all over the map. Uh, did yeah. you calculate the number of holes you played? Uh, I, you know, we, we, we played parts of 10 courses. We didn't play 18 holes at every course. So, but mo- most of the better courses we played 18 at. So it was, you know, it was probably, I mean, it was over a hundred holes of golf for sure. Um, and, and that's the other nice thing about this area is if you're on a, if you're on a golf tour, uh, of this, of this region, you know, you can start in one place, play a couple of rounds of golf right in that area near your hotel, not have to drive far at all, drive a couple hours, uh, you know, in a different direction, find a couple more good golf courses, and then a few more hours into a different, you know, department, you've got more good golf waiting for you there. Um, you know, it, it just goes on and on. And, and wherever you're going, you know, you're near these these centers of culture, whether it's Avignon or there's a city called X, A-I-X, um, which was just this wonderful, I mean, it's like a little Paris um, with all these, you know, back streets and cafes and great restaurants and, you know, people just sitting in the parks or the old guys play this game called Boule, which is sort of like bocce. Uh, and, you know, that's fun to do. Uh, but you've got, you know, you've got Avignon, you've got Aix, you've got Marseille, you've got Toulon, which is right down on the Mediterranean. And then it extends all the way uh, to the east uh, to Cannes and, you know, the Cannes Film Festival uh, site. And, right. you know, there you're there you're dealing with all the Jackie Onassis types and, you know, the 400 foot yachts. And, you know, it's a whole different world than up north where you're in the foothills of the Alps and there, you know, people are farming off the course what was what were some of your favorite activities or most interesting things you did um outside of just playing and uh, you mentioned a lot of the great food and and culture but was there a, a particular thing that you partook in that um something completely new you'd never done that that you remember fondly that's a good question um we did a lot of drinking um <laughs> And, and primarily because we visited a lot of these vineyards along the way. Um, Good so, place for it. No, absolutely. No, they were just terrific. And the whole, uh, uh, you know, we were in the area where they where they make Chateau Neuf de Pop, which is, a, you know, a world famous uh, region for, uh, you know, for Rhone wines. And um, so, you know, I, I think those are probably my best memories. You know, we didn't get a lot of time to... Uh, wander through the historical sites. We kind of saw them quickly or drove by them. Uh, um, and I'd, I'd love to spend more time, you know, digging into those and, and, and looking around uh, those areas. But, I, you know, I, I think I think it was the vineyards and the wine and, you know, what a great, because I've, I've never been a rosé wine person, um, but they drink the stuff like water there. Um, 
with every meal and these local cheap rosés uh are just you know they're they're terrific and you know literally seven dollars a bottle for this stuff um and it's you know it's refreshing it's tasty they drink it cold um you know one one interesting thing though about golf and provence as it applies to wine is that um golf is not a a sport that is done uh quickly uh, so that you can get over, you know, get it, get it over with and go on and do something else um, in, in this part of France. They take their time. Uh, they don't hurry. There aren't rangers out there. Um, you know, you, you could you could definitely get stuck behind a slower group and they'll let you go through. But very often when you make the turn, uh, you, you, do, you don't stop for a hot dog and a diet coke and, and i was kind of shocked by this the first time it happened uh they led us into this um uh, part of the clubhouse that had an enormous buffet set up and i just assumed that you know they were setting that up for when when we got done or that they were going to let us grab something to take back out you know on our on our golf carts with us uh but no it was a full two-hour sit-down lunch between nines, uh, you know, with all these vegetables and meats and sandwiches and desserts and, you know, ornate desserts, you know, pastries um, uh, that looked like it had taken somebody hours to make them. Uh, and then just bottle after bottle after bottle of these rosé wines kept appearing. And, you know, you're, we were literally sitting there for two hours between nines. And, you know, and I turned to the to one of the hosts and I said, are we I can't remember. Are we playing the back nine here? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, you know, which which we did. Uh, but it was after, you know, three or four glasses of wine and this big meal. Um, but, you know, that's just the way they roll there. It's um, you know, it's it's a slower pace and they're really into, uh, you know, food and wine. And so they kind of put it together with golf and you know, as as long as you're not having to hurry home uh, to the to the family or something, uh, why not? You know, it was a great day. Yeah, that you read my mind. That was going to be my next question to you. Was I? I thought that that piqued my interest when I read that part of it. Two hours between between nines, between going from the ninth green to the tenth tee. Is that was that the only time that happened, or does that was that a regular yeah, thing? It was, the, it was the only time it happened to that extent. Okay. Uh, but generally, it was at least a half an hour, 45 minutes. Um, and <laughs> ironically, the, the the one time that they gave us, uh, you know, what they called box lunches, which were, again, these ornate presentations of food, but they gave them to, you know, to us to take with us. Um, we, we, I was playing with one of these writers from South Africa and we had, we played like, I don't know, uh, eight holes or seven holes and came up, uh, one of the, the next tee that we were going to was high on a hill looking over the valley and it was a gorgeous view. And the guy suggested, well, this would be a wonderful place for our picnic. And, you know, he wanted to stop and set up lunch there and just, pause for half an hour and have our picnic lunch on, you know, the eighth tee of this golf course and kind of look at the, you know, look at the landscape, uh, yeah. which um, I wasn't really in favor of, particularly because I just butchered the last hole, you know, and you always want to, you always want to carry on and, and fix things after you do that. Sure. Um, 
but but you know I ended up giving in, and it was a it was a very nice place to sit. But uh, you know that's just the way uh, the way they do things there. If you had to pick one uh, department, can you can you do that, or would you would you pick a couple? Like say I'm I'm gonna go. This would never happen, but I'm gonna go for a couple of days. Um, which one yeah. are you going to? Yeah, you're, you're probably going to want to choose the, the department called VAR, V-A-R. It is the one that has the most uh, good golf courses in one area. So VAR is is located uh, a little bit uh, north of Toulon, which is you know, a bit to the east of Marseille. Um, but, you know, it, it as a region, it is pretty varied, too, because... You know, there's there's uh, 300 kilometers of beach on the southern coast of Var. You know, extending all the way over to Saint Tropez. You know, another very shishi town. Uh, but then, as you as as you go north from there, um, there are, you know, you get into these landscapes that have these desert-like uh, plateaus. And in fact, one of the courses just a little bit north of Toulon. Um, in near the town of Brignol is a is a course called Barbaru, which is from uh, Pete and PB Dye uh, designed it, um, and it 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 um, it occupies one of these one of these plateaus. The front nine you kind of go high up onto this plateau, and then on the back nine you you work your way back down, um, and it's you know it's it's spectacular and. Uh, not not too far west of that area uh, is an area called Saint Baume, B-A-U-M-E, um, which is where uh, there's the domain de Chateau Neuf, which is a, a grand uh, country house, um, which had been lived in by Napoleon Bonaparte's family. Um, it's right near this this huge mountain called the Massif de la Saint Baume, um, and the court the the golf course there. Um, Saint Bohm wanders all around the the domain there, um, and it's just a you know a, a beautiful, charming, uh, very well preserved area. You know there there are no housing developments and WalMarts and McDonald's. You know th- this area is a is a part of the country that is very old and has been well preserved. And um, in that same region, Var, uh, there's a there's a resort called Chateau de Tolan. T-A-U-L-A-N-E, which is about, uh, I don't know, maybe an hour northwest of, of Cannes. Um, you know, it, it's a great resort, uh, you know, that that you stay in an 18th century chateau. You know, they have a spa. They've got great dining. It's kind of a mountainous area. Uh, and the course there uh, is, a, is a Gary Player uh, design that kind of twists its way through this valley with with a bunch of lakes and, you know, old growth pines. Um, so, you know, that one's really, really a great course. Um, one other one in the VAR area, San Andreal Golf and Spa Resort. It's in the town of Lamotte. Um, again, rolling hills. This one plays right along the banks of the, uh, of the Andra River um, with this huge red sandstone, uh, you know, kind of mountain overlooking it. You know, really a terrific golf course. And VAR is also the home of the best golf course uh, in the area. And and in in the opinion of many people, the best golf course in all of Europe. Uh, It used to be called Prince Prince de Provence. 
Uh, it's now known as Le Golf de Vaudabon. It's a very, very exclusive private club that has a, has a great backstory because back in 1999, uh, Robert Trent Jones uh, Sr. Uh, visited this site and, you know, fell in love with it and said, you know, I want to build the best golf course I've ever built on this site. And, you know, he had some health issues after that and got busy with some things. But, um, but he, along with his son, um, Robert Trent Jones uh, Jr., uh, designed this golf course. And, you know, it was always designed to be, you know, a very private members club. Um, and, it, and it still is to this day. So it's, it's not one that's easy to get on. Uh, and we did not play it when we were there, unfortunately, because it wasn't part of the Golf Pass Provence program, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, when you when you look at the the videos and the pictures of, of this golf course, you know, it's just this great strategic course with these rock outcroppings everywhere and parasol pines and plane trees. And apparently there are even some donkeys that wander around this uh, this property. Uh, but if you're, you know, if you're in that area and can uh, can finagle around there, you absolutely want to. So, you know, if you had to pick just one department to go to, VAR would be the one uh, because you've got, you know, all that, you know, and more. You know, that's not even all the courses that are right in, in that area, but those are a few of the better ones. Very cool. Yeah, I loved your first line of that um that section of the the piece of visit to var is a feast for the senses love that line just being there in general um i noticed you you're much better with your french than than i could ever be was a was french something that you you needed to know while you were there did you need to just know the basics or anything like that or was it pretty english uh or american friendly yeah that's a good question um you know, I, you would be able to do anything that you needed to do in English. So whether it's checking into a hotel or at a golf course or even a restaurant, you know, unless you were in a real out of the way kind of place, um, there, there, it's, it's likely that everyone would be able to speak English. And if not, they would certainly be able to find somebody nearby who could help you who did. Um, that said, um, you know, they, they certainly enjoyed, um, you know, my attempts to speak with them in French. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky that I, I studied a lot of I took four years of French in high school and, um, uh, you know, kept kept up with it. So, I you know, I was able to understand conversations and have conversations, you know, in French, in my limited French. Uh, and they appreciate that. They kind of get a kick out of it. You know, it's like when yeah. someone with a French accent comes here and they're, you know, they're butchering the language, but it's it's funny and it's charming. And in that part of France, I think they look at it that way. They're OK with it. They kind of embrace it. You know, Paris is probably a different matter. You know, everybody's got a story of the, the French waiter who who who, uh, you know, threw soup at them when they when they spoke in bad French. Yeah. Uh, or something like that, but this part of the country, no, it was it was very doable with uh, my my limited French and uh, and talking to people in English. Okay, so useful, but but probably not necessary. I'm sure that that puts a lot of people at ease if they were ever concerned about that type of thing. Um, yeah, are you, that, are you not necessary? Yeah, you going back anytime soon, or, or visiting somewhere close to that part of the world for any no, reason? No. Not, not right now, but. Um, yeah, you I, see I would yourself love back to. there. 
I would absolutely love to go back there. I'd love to move there. I'd love to live there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the in the course of writing this piece and thinking back over, uh, you know, over that trip and all the things we saw and the places that we went, um, I absolutely want to go back. And I want to, you know, I'd, I'd like to go back when I have more time to do more of the things off the golf course, you know, in, in, including just, you know, hiking. Um, you know, they're beautiful hikes through uh, you know, particularly up in the in the alpine regions, and you know they have these enormous fields full of flowers and the lavender fields. Uh, you know, just acres and acres of these bright purple lavender plants uh, that grow at certain times of the year. You know, it, it's a strikingly beautiful area, and you know they they always comment about the the the, the idea that Provence has this special light, um, this quality to the light there that attracted painters like, you know, Van Gogh, who lived in Arles for all those years, which is in Provence and, uh, you know, Chagall and these other guys, Picasso. Um, and it, it really does have, uh, I mean, the, the whole area, you know, living there, you would feel like you're on vacation all the time. Sounds like a dream. If, if you can't make it there, you can look through David's eyes by reading his piece in our fall issue. Again, thank you, David, for sharing your experience. It's a unique place, and we love to cover cover different areas of the world that, that one day people might put on their travel wish list. So very much appreciate you sharing your experience. Uh, it's my pleasure, Al. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> merci, merci. I do know that. Thank you very much. <laughs>